0: Growing up in Texas, uh, you know, football is kind of second nature, you know, Friday Night Lights. Although I wasn't a part of the football team, you kind of have that competitive nature a little bit. And uh, a school like that kind of challenges you to strive no matter what you're doing, right? Video games, a lot of people don't really think of them as competitive. The more you kind of look into it and, you know, they really do have a lot of the same traits that uh, competitive uh, traditional sports have.
1: Um, It it does and entail a lot more teamwork and and collaboration than people initially think. Like you said, um, you know, they're just sitting around playing video games, but it, it is more complex than that.
2: And I think that's an important part of trying to develop high school students into becoming young adults is taking that responsibility and doing things for themselves. And I think this is a good opportunity for that. So it's, it's really interesting to see some of those similarities between traditional
3: sports, but then also some of these nuances that we're all starting to learn now that esports has really taken off, but providing those opportunities for fans and parents and for teachers and administrators to see what's going on and how engaged the kids are, has been a really cool part of my job.
4: You're listening to TAPS Talk, a podcast from the Texas Association of Private and Parochial Schools. My name is John Skies. This is episode 7. In June, eSports, or sport competition through video games, became an officially sanctioned TAPS activity. Several of our member schools already have established teams and compete with other schools on a regular basis, and many more have had video game clubs where students compete with each other in their own community. But this fall season will be the first time our schools will be able to compete for a TAP state championship title in any or all of five different video games. League of Legends, Rocket League, Smite, Fortnite, and Overwatch. We talk with players and coaches at three TAP schools with active esports teams. You're going to hear about how they got started, you're going to hear advice, and you're going to hear how it's benefited their students and their schools. You're also going to hear from our partners at PlayVersus. So when we think of esports, we might be tempted to think of a larger category of video games, which is understandable considering how huge the video game industry is.
3: Often esports gets conflated with the general video game industry.
4: That's Dr. Clint Kennedy.
3: My name is Dr. Clint Kennedy. I am the director of education for PlayVersus.
4: You're going to hear a lot from him in this episode.
3: I think it's important to note, uh, just for a scale purposes, that the video game industry overall is larger than the motion picture industry and the music industry in the U.S. combined.
4: When we say eSports, we're referring to a small subset of video game titles. The nature of these games vary as widely as traditional sports, but just like traditional sports, they share a few key characteristics.
3: Video games that are competitive, uh, typically team-based, Highly structured as far as the, the rules of the game go and, and heavily strategic uh, in that there are specific strategies to find success within a game. Those strategies are constantly changing. So anybody who wants to find success and continued success in playing these games really has to be good at critical thinking, collaboration, communication, and even creativity within the rules that are outlining that a particular esports game.
4: That's what resonated with us at the TAPS office. Here's our executive director, Brian Bunzelmeyer, speaking during a webinar about esports earlier this summer.
3: As a school administrator, we always look for opportunities for students. Uh, We know that success rates go up exponentially when students are involved. Uh, Competitive activities, especially that require teamwork, but valuable life skills as we go forward.
4: As excited as we are to offer new opportunities to students, the TAPS office staff is small. It just isn't feasible for us to develop our own esports platform or negotiate with individual game publishers.
5: We definitely see play versus as a great opportunity for
3: our students going forward. We do two things. We're a software company where we build and support an eSports platform, and we provide league operations for both high schools and for colleges across the country.
4: And not just for TAPS.
3: Right now on our wait list, we are above 13,000 schools. Those are not all fully functioning teams as of yet, but a big part of my job uh, and our company is helping take those schools who sign up and bring them from an idea on how they can support their students both in competitive esports, but also uh, links to the curriculum all the way through a competitive team.
4: This kind of partnership isn't new for us. We have similar partnerships for dance, for cheer, for robotics. These allow us to bring in the right people to provide the best possible opportunities for our students.
3: This is really about student engagement, um, both from an extracurricular and a curricular standpoint. It's taking them from that that interest level and working with all constituents, be them students, teachers, administrators, parents, technology staff, and the like, and getting them to the point where they have a functioning esports club and team. Uh, and it's seen as a first class citizen with a coach uh, in their school environment.
4: He can do that for our schools in part because he's already done it.
3: I worked in public and private schools in both Connecticut and New York. I've been a teacher, a professor, a chief technology officer, and a public school administrator. I first got involved with esports uh, in, a, in a large urban school district in Connecticut where that had multiple high schools. And I was tasked with building out a, a horizontal curriculum, if you will, across the traditional silos of English, science, math, social studies, and the like. We knew what the standards we wanted to integrate into the curriculum were, but we wanted student input on how best to do this. And I brought a group of students in, and I thought I was being a good progressive leader. We were in a computer lab. So we had two students in the back, their heads down, and they were playing something. I'd be like, hey, guys, knock it off. We uh, get back to this. I really want you input. So I pulled them aside afterwards and they were like, Dr. K, listen, we're, we're sorry we were off task, but everything you were talking about, these new standards that are important for us are built into this game. And I said, I don't necessarily believe you, but I want to give you a shot. So let's sit down and play together. So I played my first game of League of Legends. And after a, my first full game, we didn't do terribly well because they had me, they were carrying. But I had this kind of aha moment that they, what they were telling me was actually true. To be, to be successful at this game, you did have to work at things like collaboration and teamwork and you did have to think critically about the decisions you were making in the game. And we eventually started a club that anybody could be part of, and I had eighty three students show up with me in a computer lab day one, so I realized there was some real interest again, this was about five years ago, and within that club, there was competitive teams that played different types of games, and we competed online against other high schools around the entire country and it was It was good, but we wa- left us wanting something more. often other teams wouldn 't show up or we 'd be matched against a team that we were far better or far worse than so i uh, I hired in air quotes. Uh, 12 high school interns for a summer, and we built out what became Connecticut Esports.
4: Connecticut Esports became the first state sanctioned high school esports league in the country. Dr. Kennedy will be back to help me fill in some gaps throughout the rest of this episode, but for now, let's meet the people behind some of the esports programs at TAP schools that are already up and running.
2: So, my name is Michael Walker.
4: Dr. Michael Walker is an environmental science teacher at The Village School, a TAP 6A school in Houston.
2: I don't know if you want to call me esports coach or sponsor, and I've been working on building that program with students for two school years now. The development of this program has been almost entirely student-driven. They, they asked me to do this because they found out that when I was in undergrad that I had played something similar and they asked me to give them advice on how to set up a village school League of Legends esports team. They were looking at the dollar value in scholarships for eSports teams that are starting up at universities and they wanted the opportunity to get a part of that.
3: Uh, ESports scholarships exist and they are rapidly growing. It is still very much early days Here's Dr. Kennedy again. If you compare the total number, total dollars, if you will, across the U.S., but it is growing
2: uh, quite rapidly. It's doubled every year for the last three years. So I became first just a mentor and advisor on what they should be asking for from the administration. The students had to do some research to sort of dispel the stigmas about violence in video games.
3: Play Versus only supports E for everyone or T for team games. There is a whole genre of M for mature 18 plus video games, which I personally play with my 19-year-old son and I, and I find joy and value in, but Play Versus doesn't think it's appropriate to have those as an activity, as a
2: sanctioned approved activity at the high school level. And they also did some research into how team-based video games and that competitive nature can help develop Uh, team building and interpersonal skills to pitch the idea as something that would be positive for students social development and from that it morphed into becoming a more formal coach.
4: Let's talk about coaching in eSports for a minute. Here's Dr. Kennedy.
3: So so as far as coaching goes we use kind of two different terms. We, we often will use the term coach, but often we will, we will really mean general manager. We have some wonderful adults, teachers, administrators, other people within a high school community who want to support students, but may or may not have ga- deep game
2: knowledge about any of the games, or it could be one or two. I played a little bit of video games. In our dorm, we'd play things like Mario Kart. Often a program
3: is similar to a track team in that you have a coach overseeing an adult of record helping to support students, but there are multiple, uh, in this case, esports
2: being played within that. I help coach our cross-country team also, and that's, that's much more in my wheelhouse. I can coach them to be better runners. Coaching these kids to be better League of Legends players is way outside my wheelhouse.
4: This feeling is not uncommon for adults just entering this space. This is just one of the few things that sets esports a little bit apart from traditional sports. While there are football coaches who didn't play football while they were in high school, it's a safe bet that they at least knew what football was while they were in high school. You may know what video games are, but you might not know what Fortnite is, or Smite, or Rocket League.
2: I'm more involved from trying to support student growth and seeing an opportunity for them to make a contribution to their own development, the school development.
0: Nothing too crazy. And this is great so far. Ooh, nice one there to reveal the enemy.
4: There are some coaches who will start out with deep game knowledge.
0: Whenever I was kind of growing up, esports wasn't really a thing yet. And um, I think if we had had a program kind of like this when I was in high school, it would have really kind of helped me broaden my horizons a bit. And you're going to meet one right now. My name is Ronnie Baskin. And he is. I am uh, one of the two on-site IT guys for the school. Just a, like a MAC specialist network technician type guy. He is also. The coach, uh, general manager, kind of uh, one-stop shop for esports.
4: At the British International School of Houston, a TAPS 5A
0: school. Uh, I'm Someone who's just really passionate about esports and gaming in general.
4: He started with seven students in a club two years ago and now has more than 20 players on teams in Rocket League and League of Legends.
0: Just trying to put this program in place and grow it as big as possible. Uh, With Play Versus, we're trying to kind of integrate eSports into our curriculum in some ways.
4: We're going to use the depth of his personal experience to help explain some of the game titles that we offer for competition.
0: Lifelong gamer, I guess you could say.
4: We're going to start with the game that has been the common thread between the three eSports programs that we've talked about so far. League of Legends. Welcome to
2: Summoner's Rift.
3: League of Legends, which is arguably the most popular
0: esport in the world.
4: Opinions on this will vary, but League of Legends is probably the most complex of the game titles we offer.
0: Most video games, you know, there's a new iteration every year, every two years. You know, Madden, you get a new version every single year, and the game kind of changes, you know, everyone moves to the new one.
3: It's a, it's a fairly steep learning curve. You can dive in and play right away, but it'll take a lifetime to master.
0: League of Legends has been around for 10 years, and I've been lucky enough to participate in League of Legends play since kind of season one.
3: I think of League of Legends kind of as five-on-five five team chess.
2: But it's it's closest to sort of like capture the flag.
3: In a very basic way. There's a map, there's two
2: teams across from each other. Your goal is to get to the enemy base and destroy their base before they destroy yours. Uh, And you have different characters. Called a champion that has different skills and traits. Much like
3: a rook is different from a bishop, is different from a pawn, is different from a queen, what have you. There
2: are three major pathways where you can get from one camp to the other. And they're really creatively called uh, the top, middle,
0: and bottom lane. And so in, in football, you have you know, linebackers, quarterbacks, wide receivers, those types of things. It's the same in League of Legends. You've got five different positions and each position kind of has a unique job and it has unique characteristics. Each lane
2: has its own unique set of like physical attributes on the map.
0: So you have to play each lane a little bit differently. There's only a certain few characters kind of for each position. So the way it breaks down, you've got, you know, 20 or 30 to choose from for each
2: role. And so they're always in constant communication, which lanes might need backup, um, whether there's a a situation where it looks like they could um, do sort of a sneak attack ambush in a lane on the other team, or if they think the other team is setting up
0: an ambush. So the kids kind of specialize in those positions and they don't really necessarily kind of cross over to the other ones. I kind of get them to just focus on that one position at a time so they can really kind of hone in and, and make that, you know, that, execute that on a really high level.
3: It is, it is, that's a very basic uh, explanation
2: and the community
3: would immediately say, yeah, but you forgot about this and this and this. And they're right. But that is the simplest elevator pitch of what League of Legends is.
2: One of the most entertaining parts for me is watching them debate before the match um, what their strategy is going to be, who's going to be on different parts of the map, um, watching them do the research on the opposing team to try to figure out what characters they like to play the most and what their strategies are, so they're doing like counter-strategizing about what they think the other two other team is going to select.
4: If League of Legends is the most complex, Rocket League is probably the
0: easiest to pick up in terms of game knowledge. It's a lot easier to understand. League of Legends, I mentioned, is so complex, it's a 10-year game, there's so many things to kind of learn. Rocket League at its core is is soccer with cars. So you've got a three-on-three kind of arena that you're locked into it's a giant cage uh, goes all the way up into the sky and the reason is because your your cars that you control have rockets on them and you can kind of jump through the air and do flips and you know uh, hit the ball off the ceiling and Bounce it off of your friend and somehow score a crazy goal like that.
4: That doesn't mean it's the easiest.
0: Uh, there's a lot of physics involved, but basically at the end of the day, Rocket League is you put the ball in your opponent's net. Whoever has more goals wins.
4: The other titles, Smite, Fortnite, and Overwatch, fall somewhere on the spectrum between these two.
0: So it's it's a little easier to understand just kind of at a glance, um, but it's it's definitely also extremely complex. There's a lot of complexity in the game
4: which brings us to Lubbock Christian School.
6: We just went to a uh, event and we just wanted to try out our skills to see how well we would do. And uh, we got second place in that, so then we just wanted to come and do it at our own school.
4: Lubbock Christian is one of the latest TAP schools to form an eSports program. We're at Lubbock
1: Christian School, obviously in Lubbock, Texas.
4: That's Jerry Lawrence.
1: Um, I'm the principal and also I guess they could call me the coach for eSports.
4: Mr. Lawrence also brought in the members of his first Rocket League team.
1: The first team that we created, so I'm going to have them kind of sit close here, and I'm going to put this uh, phone in the middle
4: for us to talk to.
1: Cole Stewart, Connor Townsend, Ryan Fullerton.
4: Like all of the programs we have discussed so far, it began with student interest.
1: They came to me before Christmas asking to play in a public school tournament here in town, and I said, go for it. Little did I know that they would come back and say, hey, we need to do it here. So we
3: kind of hodgepodge together our computer lab. uh. So so technology is a critical piece to this. All these video games that we support are played on a PC, a personal computer.
4: Here's Dr. Kennedy again.
3: The barriers to entry are adequate bandwidth, which most schools have, and two, a, a fairly modern PC. The general rule of thumb, and it varies depending on the game, but if you have a, a PC that's three or four years old or newer, you shouldn't have any problem accessing these games. Uh, the good news is that most of this is done, all of it really practice and game time is done after school. So the bandwidth that's being used during the school day is not impacted because we don't want to impact the, the, the academic day. And then typically when you see the bandwidth, bandwidth fall off at the end of the school day, I'm a former CTO, so I used to track this. You have an opportunity for the for the esports team to utilize that extra bandwidth and you're not penalizing or you're not you're not disrupting anything else
4: now back to mr lawrence and his players
1: and we started with one team quickly added a, a second team of three and then at the end right before spring break and all the the COVID stuff we add a third team we're small enough that we can do many things and do them well and, and everything we do, we try to give the glory to God, of course. Uh, but like these young men, that we, can do, we can do band, we can do sports, we can do one act. You know, we, All our students are involved in uh, multiple things. And we're, we're flexible enough with our academic and athletic programs that, that we're able to work and, and do that for those kids.
4: These three players are also involved in other extracurricular activities, mainly band and basketball but eSports holds a special interest for them. Cole and Ryan explain.
7: Compared to any other TAPS activities like basketball and stuff, this was always the most fun thing I did. I've always, personally, I've always been a fan of video games. They've, what, made me just who I am. I When I broke my leg when I was three, that's all I did is I just played video games. This was always the most fun thing I did. I think I participated in the band thing, and I have um, every year. It's... They both have
5: their own benefits. Um, Rocket League, the whole esports scene, it's, well, while band is competitive, it's more with Rocket League and esports in general, it's got a much bigger audience worldwide. It's going into the Olympics. There's more competition there, and that's what I find fun amongst Rocket League and other video games.
4: Well, there has been some interest expressed in the other titles offered by Taps and Play Versus. Lubbock Christian's main activity is still Rocket League.
5: Um, a lot of the games that they offer are of the same genre, and that's more of like a point-and-click type. It's more strategy. Well, Rocket League is strategy, a lot of it is mechanical as well. You've got to commit a lot to muscle memory. So Rocket League is kind of unlike any of the others in the play-versus realm. So for us, not necessarily. Fairly, but for some of the other teams coming up, uh, they have been interested in uh, some of the other games like Smite League.
4: So we've been comparing esports to traditional extracurricular activities, but what does that actually look like? How do you hold practice for a video game, and how does competition work?
1: As I said, we just started this for a semester, so it, it's a it's a work in progress. And so eventually, yes, we'd like to schedule some practice time here on campus, um, but typically you know, they'll come in during lunch or on their off period if they have one and, and practice individually. And then, you know, this last semester game days were typically Thursday. So they would come in Thursday afternoon and compete on, on, on those afternoons.
5: Band is something that you can practice pretty much anywhere. But say with basketball, you get to practice basketball up at school because your school has a whole facility dedicated to it. At your house, you might have a hoop, and that's about it. There's not really anybody else you can play against. With the eSports thing, you can kind of practice online with other people. You don't have to be in the same room playing against them physically. It's something that you can just do pretty much wherever, as long as you have a computer and
7: Wi-Fi. Yeah, usually every day or every now and then, we will come in during lunch and just practice on the computers and just practice uh, different things. And then we'll be right there so we can easily talk to each other. But most of our practice we do is actually at our houses after school and things like that. We'll just all get in a call and we'll just play rockley with each other. We'll talk about different things, figure things out. And that's mainly what we do every week. And then Thursday when it's game days, then usually the day before, we'll just prepare, make sure we just go over everything. And that's how we usually do it.
4: The Lubbock Christian program was only around for a semester before it was interrupted by the pandemic and statewide school lockdowns. And while that didn't interrupt their esports program
1: these guys were still able to scrimmage and, and play, you know, other teams across the, the state, um, even during that the lockdown airtime. time.
4: Let's check back in with some of our older programs to give you an idea of what program size, practice, and game schedules under normal conditions are like. You will hear Coach Walker from the village school first, followed by Coach Baskin from British International.
2: We alternate between one and Two formal teams, and our teams have five players and an alternate.
0: We have two teams for League of Legends and one team for Rocket League.
4: Like any team sport, student interest is often larger than the number of spots available on the team. So, Coach Walker holds tryouts.
2: Yeah, we have had tryouts where they'll have the 12, 13, 15 people that are interested in playing, and they have a couple of rounds of practice rounds, and there are some metrics that score essentially player effectiveness. The A team is the five players that have the highest effectiveness scores, and those are generated separate platform that monitors games and outcomes of games. There are many different roles on a League of Legends team that have to be filled, and if the five players with the the highest effectiveness scores don't fill out all five roles, then there is some jockeying where someone that was lower on the list might actually move up to the A-team because they can fit a role that no one else there can. And then the rest of them form the B-team if we have enough interest for it, and we go from there.
4: And Coach Walker sees a clear benefit from this more formal structure.
2: Bringing esports into a more athletic department sort of setting helps with coming up with systems for who's gonna be the captain, who gets to be on the team, having tryouts, not letting it just become a group of five friends where they all know each other and they want to be the team.
4: That structure is important when you have two competitive seasons each year.
2: We run two seasons a year.
3: So you start in mid-September and it goes through about the end of December, maybe wraps around in January if you, if you get into the state championship. And there's a preseason, a regular season, a playoff, and a championship. And then we do that whole same thing again for spring, starting about mid February through May. It's very much modeled after uh, traditional sports uh, within our schools.
4: That similarity to traditional sports carries on into weekly practices, team meetings, and scrimmages. On average, according to Dr. Kennedy, a coach will schedule two to three team practices per week while most take place in a computer lab on the school premises, as Lubbock Christian already noted, they don't need to.
2: Um, They do practice outside on their own. Sometimes their practice is just them playing recreationally with each other. The matches are usually Tuesday after school, Um, so that's one of the only times that I see all five of them together where I'm supervising is actually watching the match.
0: We have practice on Monday and Friday. So Monday, we practice something that we want to execute Tuesday. Tuesday, we play. I broadcast those matches with commentary. And then I edit the video uh, on you know Wednesday, Thursday. And then they come in Friday and we we watch that game tape. And we kind of analyze, hey, where were our mistakes? What did we do wrong here? What was our... You know, position on the map. Why were we here? Why weren't we there? And those types of things. So they can really critically analyze their mistakes and also kind of look at what we did right and try to replicate those things.
2: Often like on a Monday before a match, they'll actually get together and play against each other with one person trying to mimic what they think the opposing team is going to do. And then other members of the team sort of practicing and rehearsing. When we've got two full teams going, the B team will often try to simulate what they think the opponent's going to do in a scrimmage um, so they can practice and see how things are likely to
0: go. There's some things that we do uh, to kind of get them focused, right? I have them do stretches and things just like any other sport, right? We kind of roll our shoulders, crack our knuckles, right? Wrists, that type of stuff, wrist rolls. And I get the kids to kind of get in the mindset of, okay, hey, this is a focused practice and it's time to pay attention. We're not here to, you know, just kind of play a video game for an hour and blow off some steam or, you know, waste some time. This is a focused activity. And if you guys are taking it seriously, you're going to see the benefits. So but then showing them kind of through regular practice and and also through some icebreakers that we've done. Uh, kind of to break the game a little bit and play it in a way that's non-traditional to kind of get them thinking outside of the box. These kids, uh, they practice together, they talk to each other, they work on different signals and things. And once they get on the field, or, or as we call it, on the rift, uh, they really have to put all of those things they practiced uh, into uh, into the match and execute them. Or you know, they risk losing.
4: Matches are a little different. Each team plays from their home computer lab. Some programs even have their own designated space on campus.
0: Um, we've got a computer lab that I set up kind of as our eSports arena. Uh, you know, they let me hang up a few banners and uh, one of the art teachers was nice enough to come in and do kind of a mural. We had a, a large wall that was uh, just like a whiteboard and he, he drew a, a large mural with a lot of the game characters just to kind of get the kids excited, hyped up. And it feels a little bit like a practice field, you know, it's, it's nice to have because, uh, you know, the football team has their field, the soccer team has their field. The eSports guys are sometimes just practicing from home. So it was nice to have a home on campus for us. And uh, I fought really hard to get that set up. And it's, it's been great because it's, uh, it's grown our presence quite a bit.
4: There is no travel involved unless you're taking part in the finals, which are typically held in person, or if you're taking part in an in-person tournament, like the one our Lubbock players use to get their feet wet. Quick side note, while we're living in this new normal, and while games and practices are meant to be held in person.
3: Esports is a bit unique in that, that you do not have to physically be in the same space.
4: Play Versus is prepared to support remote practices and even remote games, which is what they did for Love at Christian last year, where students would each compete from their homes if the situation required it.
3: But as as you see how we designed it, we want students to be together. We want them collaborating, playing as a team, working hard together, and moving forward. But Play Versus will be uh, prepared to support TAPS regardless of what the uh, fall school year looks like.
4: So under normal circumstances, nearly every game is a home game. Some programs live-stream their matches for their fans and parents. Esports is particularly suited to live-streaming. You don't even need additional equipment to do it in most cases. fight
0: here looks like more advantages to get out of the, the damage in the middle. He's out here taking shots at everybody from the back. You need to yoke very far forward. Dettapulo also in some trouble here. That's an ultimate coming in from... I know Ari he's going to get quite a few on the knock but not enough. Uh, first kill uh, road, So game days are, are really exciting. We have Tuesdays and Thursdays. Our game days, Tuesdays for League of Legends, Thursdays for Rocket League. And so we have different levels of interest in both. I mentioned Rocket League is a little newer, so we don't have quite as big of a spectator presence there. Let's see, these guys are still kind of fighting over the spot here. Mid lane is the uh, fulcrum at the moment. Everybody's in the area. Let's see who's going to give up position here. You guys do not want to give up this tower. But League of Legends, we've had over 30, 40 people on our stream at one point. We've even been uh, hosted by Play Versus before. So we're streaming and they host our stream, kind of letting people know that we're out there. And those streams have gotten pretty popular, just under 100. So it's been great to have that much uh, kind of feedback. And a a lot of it's parents initially, but sometimes we get just random people kind of dropping in to watch and uh, that's pretty cool for me. I, I love to see kind of the interest. Um, but in general, yeah, we, we've got a pretty big you know, online presence. Double for uh, Tank Tamer. Overall, five for zero. Bulldogs are going to get this here. They're going to get the Nexus. They're going to win that team fight. That's game two going over to the Bulldogs. That's a win. Excellent job, guys. My goodness, what an amazing game. And uh, we do host a in-person match as well each year, so the parents can kind of come in and watch the kids in person. Uh, instead of going online but but yeah that's just like a once a year thing
4: fans can also watch in person
0: so we 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 do this
2: two ways sometimes we're having matches on campus so we usually set up in our cafeteria the IT department gives us a devoted access point for the game and as the coach I have a special view that allows me to monitor the game so I can keep track of what students are doing, the communication between them. But I also get an overall map view of the game and scores, sort of a bird's eye view. And I hook my computer up to a big projector in the cafeteria so um, people can watch the game that way.
4: Which can be a new experience for some people. It would be a bit like watching a basketball game, but only being able to see and hear the fans from your side. But that doesn't mean it's quiet.
2: Oh, it's, it is surprisingly intense and loud. I was not expecting um, the students to be as as vocal as they are. The, the observers are very aware of what's going on in the game, what the strategy is, whether something is going to go well or not go well. So they're they're shouting out... Advice, criticisms, support—they're—they're they're analyzing the game in a way that—that that I just don't know how. So it's really entertaining for me to watch their level of knowledge and awareness about what's going on in front of them. Our our student body is, is bizarrely nice and positive. Um, so even even the heckling is really friendly and good natured. And there's I've not witnessed on our campus any commentary really directed at the other team. They can't really see the other team, only when they're engaging with our players. So it's almost all directed at what our students are doing.
4: For the first year at least, all TAP schools will compete in the same division. We will add new divisions as participation increases.
3: Once we get through the regular season, we rank the top 50% in a playoff bracket, Schools qualify with two things, their win-loss record, but also their strength of schedule so that you may not have the best win-loss record, but if you played the hardest strength of schedule, you could be ranked in that top one, two, three spots in a playoff bracket. So they work through a bracket much much like you would for basketball in March Madness. And then we'll either invite the final two teams or the final four teams to an in-person championship. And that's for each of the games that, that are played in that league.
4: We can't tell you for sure what a TAPS Esports Finals will look like. We just don't know what things will be like this year. And we haven't had eSports before or a pandemic, but I can let Connor, Cole, and Ryan from Lubbock Christian talk about what it was like to compete in that first tournament to give you an idea what a big in-person event is like.
5: We met up at the Lubbock High's Cafeteria, which is a very, very big, spacious room. We had about 10 computers set up for the Rocket League team, and then there were about another 10 set up for Smite and another 10 set up for League. There were big, like, at baseball games, like the big Jumbotrons and stuff that you see I'm um, sitting behind us. So that the people, they were like rows of chairs where people could sit and watch, where they could see both you playing the game in real time and then they could see like
6: from your perspective and everyone else's up on the, the big screen. But it was, it was more of uh, the adrenaline and kind of having more fun having people watch you. It's like being like a pro, I guess you could say. So we went against like 21 other teams around that it was actually super close my uh my teammates scored a zero second goal letting us send to go into overtime but then we eventually lost it there <laughs> so a the team that beat us was
5: friendship they have a bunch of good players all on the same team and we couldn't compete with that but they're they're like our main source of competition you kind of want to get back at them <laughs> but they are people were kind of like striving to be in the end
4: We can describe these games to you. We can encourage you to download and play them on your own. But it isn't really until you see an in-person team match that it starts to make sense.
6: My parents came up to me afterward and uh, they're like, I would never thought I would be so excited to watch a video game. So it's like, I don't know, just competitively it kind of changes people's views and then just kind of messing around,
0: I guess.
4: As Coach Baskin put it,
0: although it it's it's an odd idea for a lot of people i get a lot of parent pushback initially parents have no idea what's happening uh, as soon as they kind of see a match from beginning to end it's it's impossible to walk away from that experience saying oh there's no value here or oh there's there's no similarities between traditional sports it's really obvious when you see it all in action
3: and it's great to, to talk to parents who then have stories and say hey listen my son or daughter wasn't necessarily the best football player or softball player, and I wasn't sure I was going to have a chance to go to the field, so to speak, and cheer them on. And here's the parents, some of them even with T-shirts with their kid's name on the back, you know, screaming and yelling and having a good time, cheering on their son or daughter because they, they, they found what they loved and they were found success and were able to compete in one of these eSports titles.
1: You know, I think after the initial, oh, they're just playing video games, to seeing them compete and collaborate – And have some excitement and and positivity. I I think it's starting to spread in our community uh, the importance of this program. Our faculty is starting to get on board. They'll peek in and see what's going on during matches and even practice. The parents of these guys have been very very supportive from coming to support them during their matches but also to help in our computer lab and and fix things up as best we can.
4: Once eSports are visible on your campus, they typically start to draw more and more people.
3: We had a group of about 15 to 20 really hardcore students who really wanted to be competitive, build that team up, just like a football program or a softball program, and really work hard to gel as a team and find some success. But we had another two to three times as many students around them that just wanted to be part of the club. They didn't want to compete necessarily each week but they wanted to be scrimmage partners. They wanted to be doing some strategy sessions. They wanted to help capture game footage and edit it so that there could be film review.
1: Well, I think it involves you know our students, more a variety of our students into
2: extracurricular activities. People coming to watch them and support them, we probably get up to 30 or 40 students. And we have another 10 students that enjoy playing League of Legends on the side while the team is competing.
0: So I'll have one or two of the kids sit in on commentary with me. It kind of helps them improve their uh, presence in the match so they can kind of think critically and figure out what's going on. And it also helps them learn a little bit more about the game without having to get in and, you know, maybe not feel super comfortable yet. So it's it's great to have uh, multiple jobs that everybody can do and everyone kind of has something going on.
3: We even had students designing logos and doing some social media push for us, design our jerseys. And we even had a group that liked to run tournaments. So we did a monthly tournament on Friday nights with the blessing of the school and the principal and so, so forth, um, and did fundraising tournaments where the community could come in safely
2: and be part of that scene and compete. The development of this school spirit and sense of community for kids that aren't necessarily drawn in by a big football game or a basketball game.
3: In polling students that have been playing to date, 42% is the number that we've found that are part of an esports program and it's the first time they've ever been part of a school activity or sport. And if you ask that question of them and you just ask about sports, that number goes up north of 70%.
2: It's turned into a a nice pathway for some additional students to become more involved with on-campus life and school spirit.
3: If you said five years ago, could you potentially kind of describe The elements the characteristics of the students who are really engaged in this community i probably could tell you uh but at this point now you know it's it's there are students from all walks of life from all ethnicities and socioeconomic status and what have you and and they come together over kind of a shared joy of of, and love of these particular titles
4: one of the reasons that play versus holds two seasons each year is to allow more students to participate so if you were on the football team and totally committed to that for the fall you could still compete in the spring
3: Not everybody on an esports team plays all of them or loves all of them. Often they'll have one main one or a couple different ones that they play, but it's a really interesting way to see students come together.
4: Dr. Kennedy also saw firsthand how this program can increase the feeling of community among students.
3: Of the 5v5 in League of Legends, two players play very closely together. It's kind of a a duo that you usually talk about in League of Legends. And our starting duo, when I was a coach for this, was one student who who had a hard time getting out of bed and getting to school before noon, um, and I quickly explained that just like in traditional sports you have to have be it, you have to attend you have to have certain grades, you have to have certain you know behavioral expectations in school, um, which certainly helped him, but he was matched up with the starting uh, linebacker middle linebacker of our football team who who was twice the size of the first student, and they made a very unusual looking pair in the hallways to the point where I actually had teachers saying, hey, Clint, are you paying those two to hang out? Because I've never seen them together. And I said, the two of them and their communities have come together over esports. It was very cool.
4: TAPS Talk is a production of the Texas Association of Private and Broke Schools. It is produced and hosted by me, John Skies, the director of media for TAPS. Thanks to Dr. Clint Kennedy, Coach Michael Walker, and Coach Ronnie Baskin for taking time to talk with me for this episode. Special thanks to Jerry Lawrence for not only taking time to talk to me, but for bringing his three players, Cole Stewart, Connor Townsend, and Ryan Fullerton, to talk with me as well. Gentlemen, thank you for taking the time, and I hope you beat friendship next year. Special thanks also to Coach Baskin for providing me with recordings of some of his team's live broadcasts and for providing us with photos of his team. Any photos you see in our eSports content on our website or on our social media platforms, that all came from his team. The evaluation tool that Coach Walker used for his team tryouts is called OP.GG, Overpowered Good Game. You can find out more at na.op.gg. I'll also put a link in the show notes. Music in this episode by Patrick Petrichios. You can find out more about TAPS Esports by visiting taps.biz playvs and by following at TAPS on Twitter. We're also in the process of conducting a series of webinars on the upcoming season. You can find those recordings on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash tapsbiz. You can subscribe to TAPS Talk on Spotify or any podcast app. Just search for TAPS Talk and hit the subscribe button. You can find links and more information on taps.biz talk. If you have any suggestions or ideas on future episodes, please send us an email, info at taps.biz. Thank you for listening.